Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Heart and Soul. In this series, we learn that as the body of Christ, we are united around one message, bound by something greater than ourselves. We are the sum total of our gifts. We serve the same Lord, and we are moving with a common purpose. Well, all righty. How's everybody? Y'all good? Good, 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 good. Y'all look very lively. Y'all, y'all stayed up too late last night, didn't you? I can tell. Man, um, I am excited about today. Today is the last um, day of the Heart and Soul series. That's not why I'm excited. I'm excited because I really believe God wants to do some awesome things through His Word. Um, I truly believe that the Bible is true, uh, that His Word is living and active, and that it works effectively in our lives. And so my prayer is that today, as you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9, um, that he works mightily through his word and he does something incredible in our lives today. We're going to begin in 1 Samuel 9, 27. First of all, I want to thank all the people who are helping us uh, by connecting um, on Sunday mornings, being connectors and, and serving. I appreciate you guys um, more than you know. None of this could happen if you weren't allowing God to use you um, to impact people's lives. So thank you. I especially want to say thank you to Bill and Nick, wherever they are. Um, they came and helped set up. There's Nick. Yeah. They came and helped set up this morning, six o'clock, um, bright and early, man. Awesome help. And so thank you guys, all of you who are serving and letting God use you in incredible ways, man. Very, very, very excited about that. Um, I know Tanya mentioned the t-shirts. I'm really excited about not just really the t-shirts, but the fact that we get to use um, these t-shirts to pour into people's lives from the point of their salvation or as a visitor or as a guest, we get to help them take a next step in their faith. And so I love that thought that each one of us, um, just through a t-shirt, can have a part in somebody else's life um, and them taking the next step of faith that they need to take um, in their walk with Jesus. So I'm really pumped up about that as what little bit we do make off of the shirts will go back to the visitors' bags and our salvation bags and Bibles and those kind of things that we give out. So every time you see somebody um, taking a Bible, um, getting a journal, whatever it may be, um, you know, if you bought a t-shirt, man, you are part of that. And so you're investing in people's lives, which you'll see in a little while is very important to us. Um, as I said, we're finishing up heart and soul last message today. Um, we looked at this whole series as, as really trying to bring people, uh, together, bringing people onto the same page. And I don't know if there was a Sunday that would be more focused on that than this particular Sunday as we look at the vision of the church. But my prayer is that it just wouldn't be information, but that today God would minister to your heart um, as you hear a little bit about the story of Connection Church. But it's more of a story about Jesus and about what God through the power of his Holy Spirit has done. And so my prayer is that today, no matter where you are, uh, maybe what you're going through or maybe you feel like you're in a hole looking up and I can't even really see your way out, that God would speak to your heart today and that he would do something incredible uh, as we look at what God's called us to do as we're heart and soul together. And you remember that means that we're heart and soul around one message that we're bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it means that we're, we're one, not, not the gifts of one person, but, but a body. And a body doesn't function without all of its parts. It doesn't function to its fullest potential. And so every person in here um, today, you have a part to play in the body, if not in this church, in a church, because I do believe that the church, the local church, is the hope of the world and God's plan for renewing the face of the earth for his glory. Amen? Amen. Everybody ready? All right, let's, uh, let's pray and we're going to jump in and get going. 
Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity today to be in your presence, God. You promised there were two or more gathered, Lord, that you would be there. And Lord, we know you are here today, that you walk amongst us, that God, you are in us. For those of us who are believers, I pray right now that as your word says, and you, as, as Paul spoke to Timothy, Lord, that you would fan into flame your spirit, that which is inside of us, Lord, and that we would leave here changed, different for your glory. God, we leave here passionately pursuing you, God, as you've pursued us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for being good to us. Speak now through us. Lord, I pray that I would become less so that you can become more, Lord. And God, that people would see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a place where you really didn't know if you were going to make it or not? Anybody been that low? You can raise your hand. It's okay. We can be honest. You ever, some of you probably, you're right there now, right? Where you just wondered, like, am I going to make it? And, 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 and you've just wondered, am I going to survive this? Am I really, is God big enough to bring me through this? Some of you in your marriages, you've had things go on. And, and, and listen, marriage is challenging anyway, right? Can I get an amen? amen? It's challenging. Only God can come up with marriage and say it'll work. Because he's the only one that can make it work. You take two people who are absolute opposites, put them together and say, now live in a way that glorifies God. It's challenging. And some people in here today, you're facing challenges in your marriage. You face challenges in your marriage. Every one of us can work on our marriage. It's like your car. You take it to get a tune-up. We all need a tune-up for our car. We all need a tune-up for our marriage. Some of us are facing challenges with our kids. Some of you are having legitimate struggles with your children. And you're wondering what's going to happen. Some of you are facing challenges with your health. Some of you are facing challenges with yourself. You want to do the right thing, but somehow you keep screwing it up. Amen. Amen. Getting all Pentecostal today. So it's like, amen. Right? And and, and you just keep messing it up. And you're like, am I ever going to make it through this? Am I going to survive this? Am I just going to come out on the other side of this? And today I want to give you an emphatic, listen, if you are in Christ, then I want to give you an emphatic yes. Because God, as we looked at last week, holds you, he sustains you, and he gives you life. And here's the good news. Sometimes we're at our weakest point. God shows himself the strongest. And I want you to understand that today. See, I found myself about four years ago, almost four years ago, literally to the day, I mean, to the month at least, um, I found myself in that place. Today would be what we call this bus stop Sunday, just to throw that out there for you. It's where we give people a chance to get on board. Some of you heard some of this before, so just laugh and act like you didn't. But, but about four years ago, I found myself in that place where, man, I was, I was at the lowest point of my life. I'd been through stuff before, but it was at the lowest point of my life. And I'd gone through something that I didn't know if I would make it out. Literally. When I say that, I'm not kidding. Like I was so tense and so worried and so uptight that literally at night I would grind my teeth so bad. I had to get one of those little funky mouthpieces to sleep in. Because I would just grind my teeth. I'd wake up in my neck and my jaws. Everything would just hurt because I was so tense. I was so worried about what was going to happen in the future. I'd been through some stuff that, that I just didn't know if I was going to make it. It was absolutely crazy. I remember sitting at the crossroads of Ogeechee Road and Highway 17. I was headed back into Statesboro. And I remember sitting there crying like a baby. Snot bubbles and everything. I mean, boo-hooing. 
And Susan calling me on the phone and saying, where are you? I'm coming to get you. I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. She says, where are you? I said, I'll get home. But the honest truth is I was sitting at the stop sign and I didn't know if I wanted to drive my car into the Geechee River or drive home. Anybody ever been there? We just didn't even know if it was worth keeping on. And here's the truth, guys. I didn't know. It scares me to think about if I had not had my wife and kids, what I might have done. And I got to this place in my own life where I didn't even, it wasn't whether or not I wanted to be in ministry. It was whether or not I even wanted to be a Christian. I was just fed up. I was just done. I was just tired. And I didn't know if I wanted to continue. I, I, I literally, I told you last week that there was a time in my life when I literally tried to walk away from God. And that was during that time. But I knew there was something that, that was in Jesus and that Jesus had put in me that I could not live without. And I finally got to a place where Susan, thank God for my wife. If any of you know that, know her and you know me, you will say amen. Because she lives with me. That is a huge task. People are like, so what? And this is what she always gets. People are like, so what ministry do you do in the church? And she just points at me. (laughs) So do you sing? What else do you do? That's all she's got time for is me. Because she's going to have, like when she gets to heaven, she'll have so many jewels in her crown, she won't be able to walk straight. And they'll all have my name on. She's like, yeah, I live with him. People are like, oh, you know, Moses parted the Red Sea. You live with him? Oh, and she'll be walking crooked. Because listen, man, she has been awesome. And, and, and one way that God speaks to me is through my wife. And some of you guys, you need to listen to that because God will speak to, to, through you, to you through your wife also and vice versa. And one, one day I walk in the door and I've been going through this time. Listen, I didn't have a job. I was 33 years old with a kid and, and I did not... I didn't know what I was going to do. And she looked at me and she said, Brandon, you got to go. I was like, she's finally kicked me out. I knew it was coming. She has finally kicked me out. And she said, you got to go get by yourself and you got to go figure out where God's leading us because we can't do this. You're the leader. Go figure it out. And so I literally did. I went away on, it was actually on October the 7th, four years ago. And I got by myself at a cabin in Garfield, Georgia. Anybody know where Garfield is? No, you don't. Never. I didn't think you did. It's kind of one of those places you get lost to find it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I think God created it. He forgot where he put it. He was like, I... but I went to Garfield. I was literally probably two or three miles from anybody. And I got by myself and I was like, God, I need to hear you. But here's the crazy thing. October 7th is, is my birthday. I spent my 33rd birthday by myself in a cabin trying to figure out what is God supposed to be doing with my life and my family? And I didn't know. I didn't know where, where do we go from here? I had no idea. And I got with God and I began to read the scripture and I began to pray and I began to just say, God, I really, really, really need you to speak to my heart. I really, really, really need you to be very real to me right now. If you're the God of the Bible and somewhere deep inside, I know that you are. I need you to speak to me because I am lost. I don't, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're going to do, God, but, but I need to know where you want us to go. And I began to pray and I began to search and I began to look for God. And there's two things I want to tell you that came out of this process. 
that came out of this for me, for our family, and I hope for you. And, and, and I want you to, you know, if you're going to take notes, listen, write these down. If they're not ministering to you right now, there will be a day when they do. The first one is that when your dream dies, God can birth his dream in you. When your dream dies, God can birth his dream in you. Listen, I was low, literally sitting at the stop sign um, that, that day coming home. I heard in my head, I'd never heard this before in my life. I heard in my head, every dream you've ever had will never happen. I was like, crap. Then what's the point? And I went home, Susan rebuked me, sent me off by myself. I went and I got in the cabin and I began to pray and I began to ask God, God, what do you want to do? And I can tell you today on this side of that, that my dream dying was the best thing that could ever happen. The best thing. Because when my dream died, my, my goals finally died, God was able to speak to my heart and tell me what he wanted for my life. I mean, you know, what God wants for your life is way better than what you want for your life. If we could live like that, our lives would be so different. Why? Because we would do what he says. If we truly trusted God and knew that his plan's the best plan, wouldn't we do what he says? One of the reasons we don't is because we really don't trust him. But I can tell you from that day on this side of all of that, the best thing that ever happened was I got so low that nothing mattered anymore. And I sought the Lord and he began to speak to my heart. In fact, you're sitting here today because my dream and my ambition died. And God began to speak to my heart about a church in Statesboro. And he began to speak to me and began to, I began to realize that if I would simply let go and trust God, that he could do way more than I could do, that his plan was the best plan. And see, here's the cool thing. I was in Garfield, Georgia. I was at a low place. I was at a low point. But here's the cool thing. God knew where I was. Isn't that cool? That you can't get so lost that God doesn't know where you are. Hello, God knows where you are. Isn't that awesome? Like you're sitting here today and you're going through all this junk and you've got all these concerns and all these worries in your life and all these little things you're fretting about. And in the big scheme of things, God's going, I got you. That's awesome to know that no matter where we are, God knows. And the cool thing is that the Bible says that we have a high priest, Jesus, who's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but has been in every way tempted as we are. That means every way, whatever you're facing today. And see, somebody's probably thinking, well, you didn't face what I'm facing. He knows. He knows. And, and listen, he's big enough to get you from this side to this side. And his plan is the best. The Bible is true that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. If you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about getting from here to here. He's got you. Now pursue him the way he's pursuing you. First thing, when your dream dies, God can birth his dream in you. Number two, when God confirms you in the valley, no one can take it away from you on the mountaintop. If you find out who you are at the lowest place of your life, nobody can take it away from you when it's good, right? 
But when everything's good and we, we come to some revelation of who we think we are, when we go into the valley, we begin to think, what was really true? What was really true about my life? See, all my life, all my life, I felt called to ministry. It's weird. Like when I was four years old, I remember like my earliest memories. I, I knew that like I had this call on my life, even before I was a Christian, I'd always felt called to it. And I ran from it. I suppressed it. I, I tried to just ignore it, but eventually it called up with me. I have learned you can't outrun God, right? It's like, he's already there. He's here. And then he's already there. So you can't outrun God. And, and I knew there was a calling. I knew that I was called to ministry, but, but man, I ran from it. And then finally, when I gave my life to Christ and I became a Christian, that call just became even clearer. And it became, came, it was just shouting in my spirit that that's what I was supposed to do. But here's my problem. And I know many of you, if not all of you have this same problem. I began to look for validation from other people. Anybody ever been in that trap? Yeah, because you've all been teenagers, right? Where you're looking for validation from other people. Do I have the right shoes? Do I have the right jeans? Do I have, you know, do I have the right look? Do I have the right girlfriend? Is my hair right? Is it, it's all these things. We look for validation. Now it's, do I drive the right truck? Do I live in the right house? Do I have the right job? It's all of these things that we look for validation from other people. But the thing I want you to understand today is that the only validation that's valid is God's validation. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. And see, so here's what happened to me. I got to the lowest point where I, where, that I could ever been. Listen, I, 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 I went to this place where God finally began to reveal to me very clearly what I was supposed to do, when I was supposed to do it, and we began to move that way. My problem was I tried to validate myself. Even after we started this church, or as we were beginning to start the church, I'd been in ministry before. I'd been working in ministry for several years. And listen, I'd done things where I'd preached in front of co congregations. I'd preached in front of this many people. I'd been in front of people before. I'd had people come up after the service and many times lie and say, you did a great job. I had pats on the back. I'd, I'd preached under lights. I'd been in the place where, where we had the smoke and the haze. Listen, we had so much smoke that we set off a fire alarm one time. I'd be standing on stage and all of a sudden they'd be like, and a little smoke would come by like a cloud, like the glory cloud of God. It would just come drifting by. I'd had other pastors say, you're called. There's no diff, diff, doubt you're called. But here was my problem. I couldn't find validation. And I got to the lowest point of my life. And I'm sitting on the front porch of this cabin in Garfield, Georgia. And I'm sitting there and God begins to speak to my heart. And I looked inside my heart and I saw a flicker of a flame in my heart. And the only thing that I can tell you is like I looked inside my own soul and I saw this flame and God spoke to my heart and said, you're a pastor. I was like, God, I ain't I, a pastor. I'm 33. I have no job. I have no ministry and I'm a pastor. I said, here's the awesome thing. God doesn't just see you where you are. He sees what you can become. He sees what he can do in your life when we yield our lives to him and we trust in his plan. And God began to speak to my heart and say, you're a pastor. This is what I've called you to do. Now do it. And I can tell you this, the greatest validation I ever had in my life was when I was by myself with the Lord and God spoke to my heart. And my encouragement is to you today. Some of you, you're trying to live your life for other people. You're a people pleaser. Some of you are adults and you're trying to live for your parents. Listen, some of you today, you're, 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 you're running and you're trying to just keep up with the other kids. Listen, stop. 
You'll never validate yourself and be good enough that way. The only validation that is valid is when you get by yourself and you listen to the voice of God and God speaks to your heart and says, you're okay. You're all right. I love you just as you are. You can't love me. I love you. I gave my son for you. I died on a cross for you. I don't die for people. I don't value. And listen, this is what I preach to myself almost daily. That God values me, that God can use me. And we got probably five or 600 people sitting here today that God values and God wants to use. But when are we going to find our validation in Christ? Not in how good we've been or how bad we've been, but in Christ. When are we going to allow God to speak to our hearts and say, you're mine. Now let me use you. And when we become Christians, when we give our life to Christ and by faith, we take hold of Jesus and his righteousness We become God's, we become his child. And God desires to use us. It's a hard, hard lesson to learn, but I never at all grasped that until I was in my lowest point. God's validation is the only validation that's truly valid. And my prayer is today that some of you for the first time would hear God speak to your heart and tell you that you're his and that he loves you. That he wants to use you and that you would spend the rest of your life running hard and fast after him. Bringing him glory as he works through you. Yes, you. Not everybody else, you. Look at 1 Samuel 9, verse 27. This is where Saul comes and he anoints Samuel to be king. Samuel was the first king of Israel. David David and Goliath, you haven't heard of, of Saul. Yeah, Saul anoints, um, Samuel anoints Saul. You haven't heard of Saul. The one who came after him was David. David and Goliath, you've heard of him. This is where we pick up when Saul gets anointed to be king. They're coming down off the mountain. They've been having a feast. Samuel sends everybody else away. It says, as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while so that I may give you a message from God. Listen, Saul, Samuel's getting Saul away from everybody else to confirm who he is and speak to his heart a message from God. Verse 1 in chapter 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for, he'd gone looking for his father's donkeys. They couldn't find him, got lost. He comes to see Samuel. It says, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gabeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. And listen, once these signs are fulfilled, 
Do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. In other words, Saul, listen, once these things have happened, understand that the Lord is with you and go in courage, go in in strength and do what your hand finds to do. Lead these people, be God's man, do what God's called you to do. And if we could simply hear those words today, that, that listen, if you're in Christ, God is with you. Do what your hand finds to do to the glory of God. If we were moving confidence with that, how would our lives look different? That God can use us if we really began to take hold of that. As I was in the cabin in Garfield, I came to that verse in, in chapter 10, verse 7. And when I read that, it was like a bomb went off in my spirit. And God spoke to my heart and he said, do what your hand finds to do. And I was like, God, I'm three miles from nowhere sitting in a, a rocking chair. What do you want me to do? There's nothing for me to do. And he said, look in your heart. I was like, God, I don't want to do what's in my heart. Look at where it's gotten me. Some of y'all can say amen to that. You did what was in your heart and it led you astray. And now you look at it and you're like, yeah, my heart sucks. I need the heart of God. And I was like, I don't want my heart. I want your heart, Lord. And I really felt the Lord speak to me and say, listen, I'll place my dream in your heart. Look in your heart and do what your hand finds to do. And as I began to pray, I I began to feel like the Lord was leading me to start a church in Statesboro, Georgia. Of all places, Statesboro. I'd been here since 1985. Everybody knew me. Half of them had seen me drunk singing karaoke. And I'm like, God, you really want me to start a church here? Let me go somewhere that nobody knows me. They don't know how messed up I am. God was like, you want to do my way or you want to do your way? Yes, sir. And so we began to look and I was, I was pacing back and forth on the front porch of this cabin. And, and, and about the time my phone rings, and I'd already made up my mind. I was not going to answer my phone, but I looked down at my phone and it was Chip Smith. Chip's sitting back there in the middle section today. He's the one that got very little hair on top of his head. That's Chip. And the phone rings and I'm like, it's Chip, I better answer it because sometimes it's kind of like, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and Chip. And so I was like, let me, let me answer the phone and see what Chip's got. Maybe he has a word from the Lord. And so I answered the phone. He's like, what you doing? I was like, man, you're not going to believe this. I mean, this is crazy. I know. And don't laugh when I tell you. But I'm sitting here praying over in Garfield. And I feel like the Lord has told me that we're supposed to start a church. And we're supposed to do this and do that. And, and I feel like he told me, do what your hand finds to do. The only thing I can find to do is this. And it's in my heart. And I don't know. And then I finally shut up. And he goes, I've been waiting on you. I. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He's like, I was wondering when you were going to hear the Lord. I heard him a long time ago. He's like, just do what your hand finds. Do it. So I began to pray even more. And here's the crazy thing, y'all. I didn't want to. I told you, I didn't even know if I wanted to be in ministry. But I came to this place of realizing that this was from God. And I knew that the only options that we had was one, to be obedient, or two, to be disobedient. There were two options. I would call it a mandated vision that God said, do this. If you do anything else, you're being disobedient. And so without the energy, without the desire and without the motivation, we started Connection Church. Aren't you glad to be a part of something that someone started with no ambition, no desire and nothing on their plate? 
Amen. What, what awesome beginnings. It was like I was like, we're going to change the world. I was like, do we got to do this, God? I'm tired. My jaws hurt. I can't even chew gum because my teeth hurt. And now we're going to start a church. And so we did and we started moving forward and, and we literally started trying to just do what our hand finds to do. And, and we didn't know what we were doing. And I'll be honest with you, every morning of my life that I wake up, I go to a job that I have no idea what I'm doing because I've never been to this place before. And in a lot of ways, you're the same way in many cases. And, and I love it because it makes me dependent on God. Some days it's hard because it makes me dependent on God, but I don't want it any other way. And so we didn't know what we were doing. I just went to Snooky's restaurant before it closed, which the closing of Snooky's really bums me out because it has hit my checking account hard. My father-in-law, if you don't know, own Snooky's, man, the food flowed like wine. It was awesome and we ate it for free and now I don't have it. And, and so I went to Snooky's. I was eating breakfast with some guys and I was like, listen, we're going to start a church. They were like, okay. One guy was excited. I thought he, was, he went like slap Pentecostal running. He's like, that's awesome, man. Everybody else was like, can I get some more bacon? You know what I mean? They weren't excited. That night we met and, and we had about 12 people. It was actually exactly 12 people came to our house. Susan looked at me and she's like, how do we start a church? I said, I don't know. Just cook some chili. We'll see if anybody shows up. So she, they come to the house. I mean, we, did, like, we didn't know we were supposed to get a core group together. We didn't know we were supposed to, you know, um, um, have previous or do all this stuff. We didn't know. We just knew like, well, God says start a church. Y'all come eat some chili. And so we get together and we're eating that night and, and we're sitting around in a circle and I'm not good like doing the whole little, little like group thing. I'm not a very good group leader. I'd rather be in front of all of you than in like a little group where I'm trying to lead people, little, little group. And, and, and so we're sitting there and I kind of stumble through it, kind of telling on my heart and what happened. And so we're like, listen, we'll do it again next week. Same time, same place. Y'all come back to our house. We'll sit down the next week. 13 people showed up. So we'd already grown by 10% almost. We're like, we're exploding. We need to build a building. And, and so they show up and, and, and after that second meeting, I said, Susan, I just don't feel very good at this little small group, like casting vision, doing this in this small group. I, I just don't feel good at it. She goes, I know you're not very good at it. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you just need to start preaching. You're not that great at that either, but you're better than you are at this. So let's just, if you're going to try to support our family doing this, start preaching. And so we made an announcement that on Monday night, next Monday at 630, we're going to meet at the Hadijan Pond House, which is really out in the middle of nowhere also. And, and anybody that wants to come, come worship. We had a MacBook Pro with a playlist. We had a, a borrowed screen and a borrowed projector. And that's what we worshiped off of. And we just started meeting the first night, man, when we announced that I was preaching, the place exploded. Seven people came the first night. Five of them were family. They had to be there. My father-in-law had to be there because he knew that he may be supporting us for the rest of our lives. So he was trying to check it out and make sure what was going to go on. And, and, and we meet and we're having church, man. We're, we're worshiping. And, and, you know, God showed up in some really awesome ways during that time. And, and I tell you that just because I want you to know, like, where we come from. We started out with nothing. Anything we have, any good we've done, anything that's taken place is only by the power of God. Nobody sat down and drew this up and drew a schematic and said, this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to to do it. God will do this. We didn't know. I still don't know what God's going to do. The only thing that I know to do is that we're called to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other and equip them for ministry. 
That's all I really know. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to worship God and we're going to preach the word and we're going to do our best to help people grow in the Lord. That's what we know to do. And so we get to this place where, man, we realize that he had birthed this in our heart. We didn't know. We didn't realize the United States is the third largest mission field. We didn't realize that 70% of Bullitt County is either de-churched or unchurched. We didn't realize those things until after when I went back and got my master's, I was sitting in class one day and this guy starts going over all these statistics and I started researching them online in class while he's talking about all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, I guess you didn't know what you were doing, God. I didn't know. But, but God has led us to this place and I truly believe that God is gonna continue to lead us. Listen, there's some things you need to know about this church. There's some things you need to know going forward. And I want to give them to you quickly. And I want you to understand that if you're a part of this church, listen, God has taken literally taken a bunch of nobodies and done something. He's taken a bunch of nothings and he's done some things. And so listen, if you're here, God can use you. God desires to use you, if not here, somewhere, but he's called you to be a part of the body and we want you to be a part of it. And listen, if God's called you to be heart and soul here at this church, to be a part of this church and a part of what God's doing, then there's some things we want you to understand. The first one is this, we were created to be different. We were created to be different. Now here's the first thing that happens. When people say that, I actually had a pastor get mad one time because we said we wanted to be different. Different doesn't mean other people are wrong. It just means you're being who you were created to be. We've debated like, should we bring the lights up during worship? Should we just do like acoustic guitar? Would that be more, that's not us. You know what I'm saying? We're like more ACDC than Nelson. You know what I'm saying? Thank God. It's just not who we are. And, and, and the reality of it is that, that we don't want to be anybody else, but we're different. And it took people a long time to warm up to it. But I talked to a friend of mine yesterday and he said the first time he came to church, he was walking in with his wife and all of you irreverent people wearing jeans and t-shirts to church. And he's walking, that was a joke. I've got on jeans and t-shirts. So, so he's walking in and he's got on a suit and tie. I mean, that's what he's always worn to church. And he's walking by and he said, he looked at his wife and he's like, honey, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, I just, this just feels funny. And then he said the next week, he's like, I, I took the tie off and I just came in my, in my khakis and in my jacket and I, I came in and he's like, I felt a little bit better. He's like, but still, I just don't, I don't know about this. Now I think he's just wearing like khakis and a button up shirt. So we're working on it, right? But, but listen, we were created to be different, but not just different. You can come in flip-flops and shorts, but a different heart, the heart of God for us to do what he's called us to do, not to worry about what everybody else is doing. Listen, they've got their calling. They've got their part. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. There are people they'll reach that we aren't going to reach. And the good news is there's people we're going to reach that, that, that they're not going to reach. And listen, that's why God creates us different to be unique, to reach different people. I don't want all of you to start looking alike. If you start, like if we start having everybody dress normal, not wearing skinny jeans and V-necks, listen, we need those people. And, and if, if everybody starts looking alike, we, we lose our ability to reach different people. And we don't need to be, listen, we don't need to be like everybody else. We need to be our own, our own body. Working together, I want you to understand there is power in our differences. There's power in the differences 
of all the churches, all 4,992 of them that are in Bullock County. There's power in all of those differences. And, and, and we need to be who we are. And we're going to be who we are. We're going to do everything short of sin to reach the lost. Whatever it takes to reach people, we're going to do it. And so number one, we want to be different. Number two, I want to give you some purposes of the church that I believe we're all called to be a part of. That, that each church should incorporate. But I want to tell you a little bit specifically about how we're going to do that and what God's called us to do and the purposes that we see. Acts 2 verse 42 beginning there and going through verse 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone who was filled with awe, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There are five things that the early church was doing in these verses that I want to point out to you very quickly that we're going to do the five purposes of this church. And I want to tell you just briefly what we believe those are and why those exist and how we're going to carry them out. The first one is there was discipleship. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship. Listen, this is hugely important. The definition I want you to understand about discipleship is it's doing life together while learning, living and leading others in the teachings of Jesus, that we're learning ourselves, we're growing, we're living it out, there's fruit in our lives and we're leading others in that process. That's our heart, that's our desire that we would disciple each other, devote ourselves to the teachings and to the word of God. We do this on Sunday morning, but, but really intensely in connect groups where we explore the messages deeper and we go into the word of God and, and we share God's word together, we fellowship together. In those meetings, we do this, listen, the, the foundations class that's taking place right now at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings. If you haven't done this, man, I've heard so many good things about it. I would encourage everybody in here to go through it. Everybody. Because you will hear things that either you have forgotten or you've never heard. And it'll be a reminder and an encourager. You can sign up online. You can sign up at Next Steps. We start another class in November. I would sign up for that. But discipleship is important. The second one is fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is to adhere to, to be committed to, to be inseparable. The definition of fellowship I want you to have is a body of believers that adhere to Jesus and each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are on your card, on the back of your card you got today, by the way. A body of believers that adhere to Jesus and each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something we can't create. Listen, fellowship is not a potluck dinner. That can be a part of fellowship. But fellowship is when we are united, heart and soul, bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we form an inseparable bond that is centered around the gospel of Jesus. You can have fellowship without Jesus and the gospel, but you cannot have Christian fellowship if you are not surrounded around the gospel of Christ. That's the thing we have in common. Listen, one thing everybody in the world has in common is that we've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The one thing that all Christians have in common 
as if we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice for our sins so that now we can be united around that one call. See, here's the thing. Wherever we fall on small doctrinal issues is really irrelevant when you look at the big picture that, look, we're united in Christ. The church splits over so many things that aren't heaven or hell issues. The main thing is Christ, and we need to keep that as the focus. We need to fight for simplicity in the church. Our fellowship should be centered and surrounded around the gospel of Christ. The third purpose of the church, fellowship in verse 42, by the way, if you want a scriptural reference, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The third one, serving, verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Whatever they had to do to serve one another, to take care of each other's needs, they were serving one another. They were doing whatever it took. They were selling possessions. When's the last time we sold a TV to give somebody food? Only God can create that in our hearts. But we're called to serve each other. We're called to be like Jesus who, who took the form of a servant who was God, yet emptied himself of his rights and the privileges of being God, came in the form of a servant and died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and we could be reconciled to God. It's awesome. He's the greatest example. And when we look at his life, we see what it is to be a servant. We're called to serve one another. We're called to serve in the church, yes, but outside the church, in your workplace, in your family, husbands, Serve your wives. Gosh, I'm still learning that. Wives, serve your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Serve them. What would happen if you went up to your little brother, little sister, big brother, big sister, teenagers right here, little section right here, and you served them and you set the example for them, showing them, not telling, showing them what Christ's love is like. What would it be like, parents, listen, if our teenagers, our children saw us serving each other, in the love of Christ. We're called to serve. That's our lifestyle. It's not something we just do on Sunday morning. Verse 47, the fourth one is worship. It says they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They worshiped together. Serving, let me back up. Serving is the act of elevating the welfare of others above your own. Worship, the definition of worship. Worship is simply giving your devotion to something. What are you giving your devotion to? What has your devotion? Does God have your devotion? What are you most devoted to? What fights for your attention? Is it money? Is it hobbies? What is it? What is it that hinders you from worshiping God, from having your whole heart, from being heart and soul with God first, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, loving him completely with with your, your heart and loving others? What is it that causes you to be devoted to something else? What is the idol in your life that's hindering you from truly worshiping him is your life lived in devotion to a God or to the God? What are you devoted to? Because that's what you worship. The last one, the last purpose is evangelism. Verse 47 again says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church was evangelistic. The Lord added to their number. They were, they, they, they were Gata, right? Gata. If, if you want to say it improperly, say Gata. If you want to say it like Irk said it, say Gata. Just throwing that out there. Get after them aggressively. See, y'all thought I was going to say something else. You bunch of dirty-minded people. Get after them aggressively. They were missional. They went out. Listen, they worshiped together and they grew together, but they also went out. They were focused outward. 
God forbid that we ever worry more about what's inside than what's outside. We've got to stay missional, going after people. Evangelism is to proclaim or bring or proclaim good news. We've got the greatest news in the world. Let's be bold in sharing it. Let's actually speak it. Nobody ever got to heaven because they believed you were a good person, right? They need to know the reason for the hope that you have. The only way they know that, listen, they can see a difference in their, our lives. But at some point we got to say, hey, you know why I have this life? You know why I'm happy? You know why I have joy? You know why I can make it through this time when I don't feel real joyful and I'm going through hell, but you know how I know I'm coming out on the other side? It's not because I'm a good person. It's because he's good and he's got me. And you can share the hope that you have. You don't have to have a PhD in theology to tell people what Jesus has done in your heart. I want you to understand that there's great power around the unity of the purposes of God. Those are the five purposes. We're going to do four things. It's important that you hear this. Four things is going to gather our attention and our focus. Okay. We're going to carry those five things out. The first one is what we're doing right now. Sunday morning. We're going to come in and we're going to worship. We're going to preach the word and we're going to believe God to do great and big and mighty things through the preaching of his word. That when people hear the gospel, that the spirit of God is going to awaken them to faith in Christ and bring them to a relationship with himself. So we're going to do Sunday morning. We're going to have connection kids in 212. That's our kids ministry. That's our youth ministry. Connection kids is babies through fifth grade. 212 is, is teenagers. God help us. Right? It's, it's, it's the sixth through the 12th grade. And we're going to pour into their lives and many of you volunteer with them and you help with them and you're making a difference. We don't believe that they're just the future of the kingdom. They're the kingdom right now. God can use them. How many parents have come to know the Lord because their child gave their heart to Christ and began to live it in front of them? I mean, there's, I don't know how many, but there's a bunch, right? He saw that difference in the life of their child. The third thing is connect groups. Listen, our discipleship, our fellowship, our, our, uh, our growth together, where we believe real life change happens is in connect groups. If you're not in one, you're going to be a part of this church. You need to be in one. I've seen in my own life and I've seen in the lives of other people that the most life change, the most growth in Christ, which results in life change happens in a small group, which I'll give a shout out to my group. What's up? Where they at? Jet, Casey. Sean, Kimberly, I see a hand in the back. Yep, best connect group ever. Yep. And, and, and like we got six people. Nobody else will come to our group. I'm like, what in the world? We started out, Billy was like, everybody will want to be in your group. Nobody does. <laughs> like, you want to come to our group? Nope. Or they'll come one time and then they leave. And, and then I get like voicemails and they're like, um, we just want to let you know that we got invited to another group. And I feel, I feel like I got broken up with. I feel like I'm back in middle school and I got dumped. And so, no, just, I'm, but seriously, like, we want you in a group and whatever group that is, and that's fine. I can just eat more of the stuff that Casey brings to our group for myself, right? It's more for me. And so, but we want you to be in a group and we want you to be in a group that, that God places you in. We want you to be in a church that God places you in. And so we're going to be about connect groups. We're going to be about missions. We're going to be about missions. The four things we got Sunday mornings, we got kids in 212. We've got our connect groups and we're going to be missional. This summer, man, we had people going all over the place. It was so awesome. And what was cool is people in the church stepped up to lead the groups. It wasn't even our deal. We had people go to Honduras, Haiti. We had people go to the Bahamas. We had people go all the way to Griffin, Georgia. It was awesome. 
We got people going back in January, going to Honduras and see when God does something in your heart, you can't help but share it with other people. And so we need to realize like we're going to do these four things and we're going to focus all of our energy, all of our resources on these four things. And that's what we're going to be about. And we want you to be a part of that because we believe if you have all of those four things and God's working in all of those and he's working in you, what else do you really need? The early church fought for simplicity. We're going to fight for simplicity too. I don't want us to confuse busyness for being in a relationship with God. You don't need me and you don't need our staff and you don't need our church to program your life. The Holy Spirit is the programmer of our lives. We need fellowship. We need to worship. We need discipleship. We need to serve. And we're gonna be evangelistic and we're gonna carry them out in those four ways. And I want you to be a part of it. Listen, if, and I want you to hear my heart in this because we want you to be on board. We, want, we believe that God is calling people to be a part of what he's doing here. We, we believe that God's calling people to invest in people's lives here and in the community, to invite them to relationship with God here and in the community, to serve them by, by laying down your life and living for them here and in the community. We believe that God's called us to encourage one another here and in the community to walk alongside people. And we're gonna shape everything we do around those five purposes, carrying them out in those four ways. And we just believe that God desires to do incredible things. I truly believe that the best is yet to come. I believe there are greater things ahead than there are behind. I don't know what it looks like, but I know that we serve a huge God who can do more than we could ever think or imagine. And I just pray and believe, and I know I have a lot of faith for this, that God desires to do awesome things in the lives of people, not just to grow a big church, but to grow the body of Christ, to be a powerful force in the community. Listen, I've said this a couple of times already, but we want you to be where you are called to be. If it's not here, that's fine. But we want you to be where God's called you to be. But if you're called to be here, you need to be all in. You need to be heart and soul. You need to to come on board. I would say you need to drink the Kool-Aid, but we're non-denominational and people freak out when you start talking about Kool-Aid and stuff like that. So but but seriously being all in and and, and being a part of the church and, and there's Basically four ways, three ways really. I'll throw a fourth one in there just to clarify something. But, but there's basically four, three main ways that, that, that we want you to do that. That we feel like is critical for your growth and for the growth of the body of Christ that you do these things. The first one is this, and we say this a good bit and when we do these messages because it's important. The first one is you have to say connection with no S. Okay. <laughs> That is a deal breaker. If you can't say connection and stop, it's off. Like we're not compatible. It's not like belts, Walmarts. We put people on video all the time and they're always like, well, my life's just been so different since I got the connections. We're like, we can't use that video. That's, that's kidding. But the three things that we really do want for you, listen, one is that we do want you to serve. We want you to serve in the church. We want you to serve in the community, but specifically we want you to be a part of fellowship and the reason of this fellowship in serving. And the reason that we want you to do that is because it's a place where you connect. It's a place where you um, meet people. It's a way that a big church feels small. 
And we believe that if you, if you break it down, you can build it up, that people coming together in relationships are able to grow. They're able to know each other. They're able to care for each other. So we want you to serve too, is we want you to give. And we're unapologetic about that. And it's not because we want it. It's because God tells us. And here's the good thing about it. I told you before, God's plan's better than our plan. Why would God ask us to give? Because giving is a heart issue. Jesus specifically talks about how money is the number one competitor for our heart. Giving is not some legalistic thing that we do, but out of gratitude, we give back to God from what he's always given us. Listen, when, when, I, when my, my tithe comes out of my account every, every month, it's a reminder that it belongs to him. Everything I have, he's given me. And rather than it being one of those things that, that, that I begrudgingly do, it reminds me of all the blessings in my life. And our giving consistently cuts that string from, from our wallet to our heart, or at least from all the materialism in the world to our heart. It's a constant reminder. We give back to God out of what he's given to us. Now listen, don't take that and run with it. I had somebody say one time, well, we can't be a part of Connection Church because we can't give 10% of our money. Never said that. Like you must just want to go to another church. I didn't ever say that. And the reality of it is, I was like, listen, you can come. Some of you, probably your next step is to get in the financial class so that you can get to a place where you can honor God with your finances. And I don't want it to be a legalistic thing where you say, I got to give 10%. Listen, everything that Jesus did in the New Testament, he took it from the standard of the law and he elevated it. Adultery became lust. Hate or murder became hate. I don't believe that 10% is, is the ceiling. I believe it's the floor. Because God's given us so much. How can we not give to see his kingdom grow and the body grow and him glorified? And if we truly believe in what God's doing in his house, in his church, with his body, wouldn't we give to that? So we don't apologize for it. We believe it's one of the greatest spiritual disciplines and acts of worship that we can possibly do. The last one, that we ask every person here to do and to be a part of is we ask you to be in a connect group. I've already talked about this some, I'm not gonna belabor this point. The fact of the matter is, guys, you can't do life alone. You need people walking alongside of you. And if you're not in a connect group, you need to get in one. If you tried one and you're in there with weird people, I'm sorry, we got weird people. I mean, there's people who are just different here. But, But try another one. There's a group, listen. And if all the groups are weird, it's probably you. Right? I mean, I could understand you saying it about my group, but if you go to some of the other groups and they're all weird, there's one common denominator, you. And so get in a group, find a group, find some people you can do life with, that you can grow with, that you can be a part of doing fellowship with. Listen, take your next step. What does that look like for you? This is what I know God's called us to do. Some incredible things, not this just church, but his body Listen, we are the bride of Christ. Glorious and beautiful. You look around and you're like, ain't nothing glorious and beautiful about this place. But that's what we're called to be. God wants to use us. And it's hard sometimes for us to allow that to sink into our hearts and to realize that God truly desires to use us in incredible ways. And he can even use you. But none of us can do it alone. 
And we want you to be a part of what God's doing here if you're called to be here. If God's leading you here, jump in, heart and soul, run with us. Let's do something absolutely incredible for the kingdom of God. Amen. Listen, if you're here today and listen, you don't know Christ, but today God's spoken to your heart, your first step, your next step is is for us to pray with you and talk to you about a decision to accept Jesus, to receive by faith the righteousness of Christ, to take hold of Christ by faith. If God is speaking to your heart this morning, if he's drawing you to him, and we'll do that when we're dismissed, you walk right out these doors, doors right here, my left, your right, exit sign right over them. You can walk out there. We'll pray with you. We'll talk with you. We'll help you take your next step. Salvation's not the end. Listen, it's the beginning of a journey. If you don't know him, you don't have a relationship with him. Not have you been religious, but do you know him? And this morning, you don't, and he's speaking to your heart. That's your next step. Listen, your next step may be that you honor him with your finances. It may be that you decide to serve. It may be, listen, that you... Do you make up your mind? I'm getting in a connect group. As weird as they are, I'm getting in a connect group. I'm going to stick it out. I don't know what that is for you, but whatever God is leading you to do, take your step. Do what's next. Be bold and be courageous and trust in God because he does amazing things. Invite you to be heart and soul, not not with our dream, but with God's, not with our vision, not with what we want to do, but with what God wants to do. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for loving us, for being good to us, God. Lord, we recognize that all things are yours, Lord. This isn't our church. This is yours. God, and what you do with it is what you you desire to do. And I pray that we would keep our hands off of it, Lord. That we would just trust you. And I pray, God, that you'll just bring the people that you need to bring to do exactly what you need to do. And if this isn't where they, want, they need to be, God, where you want them to be, then that's awesome. But I pray that the ones that are supposed to be here, God, would just respond to your spirit and to your call. And God, we would run for the prize that you set before us. And God, we would do everything you've created us to do. For those, Lord, have you spoken to their heart and they don't know you? I pray, God, that as soon as we dismiss, they'd walk out these doors and go let somebody pray with them. God, for the people who, who need um, just to be prayed for, that they would go. That they would go and allow you to speak through our prayer team, Lord. And we lift you up, we exalt you, God. You're so high and, and mighty and awesome. And God, yet you care for us. I thank you that we have the privilege of serving you and knowing you. And may we always just keep that as our highest motivation, our highest calling. We love you, God, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.